means. It means we're being recorded. I do it to my students sometimes. They're like, Miss Katie, why are you recording us? I'm like, because I have to record that <laughs> occasionally so people can give me feedback. Oh, so can I just say I've missed you so much and I missed the podcast so much. <laughs> I know. I missed it. It's been I, a month, man. I know. I know. I just holidays and life. Dude, life. Say that again. Also, like, you know, I feel like we had to take an entire month to celebrate 2020 being over. <laughs> I mean, 2021 did try to did try to trick us. Like some of the stuff that happened at the beginning of the month, we were like, uh-uh, no, stop, stop. You know, I think 2020 <laughs> it's just you know, leftovers. officially yeah. starts in February. Okay. Yeah. It officially starts in February. It's the New Orleans rules post Mardi Gras when it starts. That's fair. So, you know, yeah. And plus one of those weeks that we couldn't record is because I had to instead of researching stuff for a podcast, I had to give a journal club to my department at school. So it was like giving a much less fun podcast to yeah, my I department. Because I wasn't there to ask I, questions. And to I like, know. There's no friendly banter at all. No friendly boring. banter at all. I was going back listening to our old podcast. Though. I was like, I remember science. I remember <laughs> learning about the science. That's good. You know, it actually was interesting when I did go home for the holidays. It was funny. Some like most of Brett's or not most of Brett's, but a lot of Brett's families, like in medicine of some sort. So they were asking me questions and I was like, whoa, whoa, you say you listen to the podcast, then, you know, I'm not the scientist. <laughs> was like, I am here to for witty repertoire. <laughs> like, that is my job. I'm also- here to make jokes. And to be very surprised by the things Erica tells me, I'm like, whoa. I, I am not the scientist. So I was like, feel free to email us. But I am not the scientist. <laughs> but it's okay, Katie, because I am a scientist. And this hey, is Southern hey, Science. science. <laughs> All right, so we had a listener request. We've had a couple of those, actually, which has been really cool. Yes. yes. And this is actually fairly related to one of our previous episodes. So one of our most recent episodes on our Christmas episode about animals that glow, that light up. Yes. So if we're talking about what colors animals can be, let's talk about what colors animals can see. And so that was... (laughs) I like it. That was the the suggestion uh, was that we could talk about how vision works, maybe how colorblindness works and how different animals can see different colors and why. And so that resulted in me dragging out my one, one of my many, many, many binders of school notes. (laughs) Many leather bound books. (laughs) This is just like so many PowerPoint slides printed out. Oh man. Yeah, I know. As a, as a social scientist major, we just kind of talk about our feelings and how we think about things. We don't have to actually study slides. So this, yeah, so this, this binder represents a month and a half of, of one class because all my classes were ridiculous and they were all in this really short abbreviated schedule. But anyway, so this was the one on the nervous I'm telling system. you, talking to me definitely like validates my life choices sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I made the right choice. Like, you know, none of my degrees are worth anything, but at least I never had to do that. Honestly, going back through it this morning, I was like, wow, I knew this a couple years ago and (laughs) that was rough. That ship sailed. (laughs) There's a lot of words on these pages and I'm like, wow. Okay. So when you're talking about colors, animals can see, you know, immediately I'm going to, I'm a dog person, right? Mm -hmm. Like I rescue dogs. I have three dogs. 
and a cat, but we're talking about the dogs. You know, you always hear that dogs see everything in black and white. Right. And can only see like a certain amount of frames and like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about like what colors animals can see? Or like deer can't see orange. Isn't that like a really popular one? That's why hunters can wear it. I didn't look up deer specifically, but I would believe that because a lot of mammals can't really distinguish that end of the spectrum. Seriously? I mean, yeah, a lot of mammals, like I looked up some others just because they were on a list, but like rabbits and stuff, they can only distinguish between blue and green. And so with, with dogs, and that's, it's one thing we'll talk about, dogs can see color. They just can't see as many colors as we can because they don't have the same sort of chemical makeup in their eyeballs. And that's what we're going to talk about as the basis of how vision works, how you can see like black and white light and then as well and then color and then why maybe we can see different colors than other animals can. Nice. I'm here for it. Okay, let's do it. So in your eyes, you have two different types of photoreceptors. Yeah, way in there. (laughs) I'm showing her my eyeball. And actually, all of the photoreceptors, they're way on the back. They're actually, they're like, through all the layers of the back of your eyeball, through the, you know, fluid of your eyeball, sticking out the very back end, through all your nerve cells, you have rods and you have cones. And Are those like little string things you see in movies when like people get their eyes knocked out, little stringy parts that hold it on? Uh, no, that's usually the optic nerve that you're seeing. Oh, okay. So it's your optic nerve. Basically, it's just all of these nerve cells that attach to the photoreceptors and they they collect all the information from the the photoreceptors and we'll talk about what kind of information that is in a second anyway those have to basically collect all of that information and they kind of bin it so like if you've ever done any photo processing where you need to average maybe have something be less high resolution because you need it to not take up so much data yes you can bin the data in that you average like take a two by two square of pixels and average that information into one pixel instead. So I, I, I can actually follow that because you know, I love like, like my, my pictures. Yeah. I love so my the, photography. Okay. Yes. So there's, there's a little bit of that going on, but most of the processing waits until it gets to your brain. So your eyes, they get the input of light. Basically the way that that is interpreted by your eyes is just sim- simply a, a yes, no signal. And the, what your eyes actually see is contrast. So the way that your photoreceptors are set up is they're arranged kind of uh, in concentric circles. So each group of photoreceptors, yeah. What's concentric? Means that they, like, they go around the same point. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. So I'm not sure if I'm saying this all in the right order. No, no, so, I'm following you. Yeah, let's go. I got this. So you have your rods and you have your cones and your rods are what senses just, just light, just yes or no light. So they have these little discs at the ends of these photoreceptors and those are full of rhodopsin. And whenever they have light hit them, it changes how an electrical signal is being released from that photoreceptor. Mm -hmm. So normally the photoreceptor is firing and it's releasing a neurotransmitter called glutamate. And once the light hits it, it kind of interrupts that signal. And so the nerve cells that are downstream of that photoreceptor can say like, oh, there was a less of a firing. That means that there was light. 
but it doesn't take that one piece of information as its own signal. In order for you to be able to identify like spatially different things in your field of view, you need to know where there is light, where there's different degrees of light, and then like how much. So the way that your eyes actually are able to register a signal is that you have light hit in the middle of an area and not in the surrounding part of an area. So what it needs is a signal that is at least a tenfold contrast between areas around it. And that's how your eyes can register. Yes, this area for sure has light. I feel like I probably need to go through that again. No, I'm no, I'm sitting there and that's freaking me out because I've just never thought about the way that like I see. This is like kind of like one of those moments where I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I want to know this. Like this is this, I'm going to start looking. So we're looking at like where light's hitting something. And the reason you can see depth and contrast is like it's hitting in the middle and we can tell it's not hitting our other places or it's hitting other places in like lesser degrees. Yes. Right. So that's That's how interesting kind of like when you shine a flashlight on something, there's the thing in the middle and then you can kind of tell the dimensions based on kind of where the shadows are. Right. So you can see like as the light diffuses away from it, the surrounding areas have less activation. Yes. It's, it's that contrast that lets you be able to see you know, yes, this is a real signal that there's yeah, actually okay. light here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which makes and, sense rather than just like a splash. Yeah. Cause otherwise okay. you wouldn't, you can't make any sense of just everything being on all at once, you know? Yes. So, God, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Yeah. So your cones work in a very similar way. They just have a slightly different function. So um, your cones are commonly thought of as being like only being sensitive to one type of light. So you have probably heard that you have red and green and blue cones in your eyes. I have actually. Yes, I have. And that so always that's, bothered me because you always hear red and blue and yellow are primary colors and the green thing always pissed me off. <laughs> I was like, make up your mind, make up your mind. That's fair. Um, And we'll kind of talk about why yellow, like why we can sense or see yellow whenever it's not actually something we have a cone for. Okay. Um, So your cones are very similar in structure to your rods. They just, they are maybe a little shorter and the discs that they are full of. So they have like also little chemical filled discs that will respond to the light. Those have different chemicals in them. They're called opsins. They're not rhodopsin like the rods have. These are different options. Just regular options. Okay. And they... Four options, options, all the options. They are sensitive to all light. They're, all, they're sensitive to white light. They're just more sensitive to different wavelengths of light. So they're mm-hmm. more strongly activated by different wavelengths of light. They have preference. But yeah, they do. Okay. <laughs> it's fair. They like, it's like, it's like at Christmas. You always have the people who like the white lights and you got the people who like the light colored lights. And I'm very much so into like the brightly colored lights. Yeah. So, okay. Okay, cool. So yeah, you have different, different cells in your eyes that like the different kinds of Christmas lights. Exactly. Here for it. <laughs> so your cones also work by b- having to sense contrast because that's the only way that they can know that there's signal there. So to be activated, they sense the presence of a specific wavelength and then the absence of other wavelengths. Because if you had the presence of all of the wavelengths, then you would just be seeing white light. White light, yeah. But if you want to see, like red and green are pretty straightforward because those are chemically kind of the opposites in your your eyes. Like you have your red cones 
like they will be activated by red and they need an absence of green. And then I actually did know that because that's why, um, that's why you use green stick on like, like I have rosacea. That's why you use green stick or like under my eyes where the purple is, I use like an orange stick. So I'm assuming with blue, I mean, the opposite of blue color wise, if you want to cancel it out is yellow. Yes. Now the thing is, let me jumping ahead. I'm going to stop. Okay. Well, we have to get the green light, red light makes sense. They're opposite. I got you. Okay. That that's perfect. And so makeup skills, man, look up your makeup <laughs> skills, It'll teach you all about color. <laughs> and so while, while we're on the red green, so yeah. the thing about red and green is that uh, red green color vision is that it's actually the most common form of color vision deficiency is to be red green colorblind. So actually about 8% of men, particularly white men are red green colorblind. So it's like one in every 12. Which makes and driving hard. It does, but that's why traffic lights ha- are positional as well as colors. Yes. <laughs> you just, it just doesn't help when you get the sideways traffic lights. God, man, I got to tell you, somebody somewhere was like, y'all want to see something funny? <laughs> it's like, well, some people need that. Like one out of every 12 guys A might need that. A lot of people that. need that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Looking that up. Okay so, okay, so talk to me about that. Why is that a thing? So the reason that's a thing is because those genes for the red and the green cones are actually on their recessive genes on the X chromosome. And so for men, you can inherit a mutated copy and it will be expressed. Whereas for women, if you inherit a mutated copy and a normal copy, then you'll still have normal cones. Because we're amazing. Go women. Because we have, we have two X chromosomes and then men only have the option of one. So if they, if theirs is deficient, then they have to express that deficient one. Uh And so there's like four different ways that you can have that red, green color blindness, like for either the red or the green, you could either not have the cones at all, or the cones could just not have as much option. They'd not be as strong, you know, just, they don't, give you the right kind of signal. So there's different ways of being red, green, colorblind, but it's most common in men. And I assume based on what I've read about, like, because these genes are on the same chromosome and like structurally the genes themselves are very similar. One, they probably arose as a gene duplication event. Like we probably used to have red and cones or green cones. And then that gene got duplicated and changed a little bit to pick up a different wavelength. So just evolutionarily over time, that's probably how we got those extra cones. But Ah. also, (laughs) also the fact that they're very similar and on the same chromosome is one reason that they can get mutated pretty easily is because like when you're copying that that chromosome, you're copying your X chromosome. If you have two bits that look really similar, it's easy for your machinery to kind of skip from one to the other. It's like if you're reading a, a, a sentence and like the two lines are very similar and you, it's easy for yeah, your wait. eyes to jump to the next wait. line and skip a bit. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. So, okay. So based on that line of thinking, do you think one day we'll be able to see yellow light? Like when we take you to do that? I don't know if there would really be a lot of benefit to it. Yeah. So with red green, there's definitely a benefit evolutionarily, at least in my opinion, I shouldn't say definitely because it's completely my opinion, but like if you need to be able to see red berries against green leaves, like that's really important. So much of the natural world is very important, you know, 
<laughs> the natural world is color coded. If something's red, stay away. Right. Unless it's strawberries. But yeah, like there's a lot of green out in the natural world. And if you can distinguish other things against the green, it's probably better for you survival wise. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I get that one. I, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Cool stuff. And, and we'll talk about that also later, like why, why it helps different creatures to be able to see different colors. So just okay. to come back to that. Gotcha. Um, but so with blue and yellow, there's just not as much out in the world that's naturally blue and yellow, I guess. Water. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, well, but yellow okay, is just the sun. Our water is brown in New Orleans, but like most places it's, it's blue. <laughs> But there's you not know, a lot of yellow, right? Just, I mean, the sun's not even actually yellow. It's mo- it's technically white light. It just gets filtered out by the blue atmosphere. But no, there's not. I guess there's there's flowers, but flowers come in all colors. Yeah, I actually can't I think of things that are yellow. That's a good point. Okay, lots of brown. I guess it just. My thought is that it just hasn't been as important evolutionarily. Makes but, sense. Okay. That there's always sense. the possibility for a gene duplication event. And we'll talk about other animals that can, like I said, can see more colors than we can and why that's important or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we said, if we're, if you want to see blue versus yellow, like a lot of times blue is always, you know, listed as its contrast being yellow. And people can say that if they're blue, yellow, colorblind, that doesn't mean they have a problem with a blue and yellow cone because you only have the blue one. But what's important is that the way you sense yellow is that you have a signal of blue and not a signal of green or red because Mm -hmm. yellow is actually between green and red on the color wheel. So green a yellow light would be picked up a little bit in both green and red mm-hmm. and so a signal from green and red means yellow if like a signal from green and red and not from the blue cones means yellow well. so the blue cones work purely by like like they're more of a contrast system they don't have that complementary like and for green activation, you need green, but not red. And for right. red activation, you need red, but not green. But for blue, it, they don't have like a, a, a complement like that. Okay, gotcha. But the way, the way I, I was describing, like you need an area of like that light hitting your eye and then another area of that light not hitting your eye. And so that's the way that your photoreceptors are able to signal through the nerves, through the ganglia that they're attached to, and then through your optic nerve into your brain, it needs that contrast in order to be able to say, yes, there's a signal and here's exactly where it is. The photoreceptors aren't spread out evenly over your eyes. You have an area called the fovea, which is like square in the middle of your macula. And that's where you have the most cones. And so that's where you can like really focus on something and have the most like resolution and color perception. Okay. Whereas in contrast, your rods are a lot more abundant on the edges of your vision. And so your peripheral vision is actually a little bit better at picking up just the presence of light or maybe movement. You know, well, you that, would, that would be super I mean, from like an evolutionary standpoint, that seems important too. Like you need to be able to track movement out of the corner of your eye. Right. Human beings, we're, we're not the best with our senses. So like, you know, the more we have to like keep things from sneaking up on us would be superior. <laughs> Every little bit helps. Yeah, for sure. Every little bit helps guys. We don't have a great sense of smell or like amazing hearing or anything. So like anything we can do, cause we're, we're visual creatures, right? Like that's our thing. Part. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, humans, we like, we don't have a great sense of smell or hearing compared to other animals at all. So 
we got to be able to look at stuff. So that actually makes sense being able to like track. Like, I mean, because that's true. You see movement out of the corner of your eye. And like, I can't tell you what color something was, but I can tell you something moved. Right. Exactly. I'm like, I'm like it's ghost. And I think that's you're also, <laughs> probably, I think you're also supposed to be able to like see distant light easier in your peripheral, like a far away candlelight or campfire or something. I think those are supposed to be easier to pick out in your peripheral vision. Huh. Um, okay. But another thing about like being in the darkness is that I mentioned that for a lot of how your these cells fire, what matters is like when the light hits your photoreceptors, it actually disrupts a background signal. So it's like as your eyes are just existing, they are releasing those photoreceptor cells are releasing a neurotransmitter and they're having this kind of constant background signal and light disrupts that signal. And I don't know exactly why that's a benefit. I feel like maybe it's easier to have an existing signal and see when something stops. And that way, you know, that it's working rather <laughs> than like, Oh, did this turn on? Was it high enough of a signal to reach a threshold kind of thing? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure why that like negative regulation is necessarily better. Um, right. But I think that explains why if you are left in darkness long enough, you can actually go blind because your eyes, you're just firing nonstop without any light input that they, you can actually go blind from being left in pure darkness for like a month or something. Like if you're trapped in a cave or something, you can go blind is what I've been told. Are you been told what? <laughs> what? So I've been told when like I go on cave tours and stuff, they're like, please don't get lost. P.S. You also, the, at, at some point in, when you do a cave tour, they always make everyone turn off all their flashlights and see how genuinely dark it is. And be like, plus, if you were down here forever, you'd actually go blind because your eyes are just like constantly like firing and there's nothing to disrupt that. Okay. So I would just like to point out that I've seen the descent. So two things with what you just said. First of all, I've seen the descent. So I don't go on cave tours. And Erica, most people don't go on cave tours. Why were you on a cave tour? And then um, the Why other thing- Why would you not go on a cave tour? Um, okay. Well, I mean, so, so far you told me I can go blind and we all know terrifying cave people live in caves. Well, I don't know about cave people, but I tell you what, some of the spiders that live in caves are horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Man, okay, listeners, y'all hear it. She's selling it hard, man. Get on that cave tour. Go look at some giant spiders and go blind. Yes. I've been on some perfectly like well-maintained cave tours where there's like a walkway for you to go down and they have handrails and stuff and tour guides. And so I've done that at a few different caverns, um, Luray caverns up in, where's that Pennsylvania or Virginia, maybe Virginia. I think. I don't and know, then, Erica. I don't keep up with caves. I think, yeah, I think Luray caverns is in Virginia. And then, uh, is it cathedral caverns? It's in like, uh, Tennessee, South Tennessee, uh, that I've actually been able to go on an actual, like beyond the tour, like a caving exploration where they'll take you back, like not just the paths that you can walk down. They'll take you like where you have to go climbing up stalactites and it's very muddy. And I've, I'll send, I'll post some really cool pictures of that on the Instagram. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, let's do that. And I don't know, maybe one day I'll let you talk me into a cave tour. It's really cool. But when you do that, like the the non-paved portion of the cave uh, there's some weird weird bugs that have no they're they're all adapted to not having any light exposure and it's very strange hold on let me look up cave spiders real quick 
I'm going to go with you. You're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. I see. Nope. Absolutely not. Apps. Nope. Nope. It's they have teeth on their feet. Yep. Nope. All right, Eric, I'll take it back. You're on your own with caves with cave dives. Nope. We can do yeah. other things as friends. Nope. Other we can do other friend activities that aren't cave diving. Highly do not recommend. Guys, don't Google cave spiders. It's a horror. I told you you were gonna regret it. <laughs> Before I committed to something, I wanted to see what I was getting into. Absolutely not. Okay, so some animals, so this is what happens. This is why light is important and this is why vision is important because apparently horrible things happen to you from like a mutation standpoint. Like you get teeth on your fingers, like without the light. Okay, so <laughs> your thing. What? Little Morlock spiders, yeah. Ugh. That's horrible. Even, yeah. Yeah, no, cave spiders are generally hard. Like I've sent you some pictures that you thought were gross, and I know that one's too far because cave spiders are horrifying. Blech. This I don't is, remember this what is I was saying. <laughs> we got uh, distracted. We were talking about being underground, how you can go blind if there's not a lot of. Um, oh, just to, yeah, it was just saying like that's a good way kind of to think about the fact that in darkness, uh, most of your like your retinal nerve cells are receiving an, a signal of being activated and that signal is disrupted or I think disinhibited or something like that. Um, I forget the word that was in my notes, the way that the signal is actually registered by your eyes. And the way that you get like good resolution on what you're seeing is that the areas like, so I told you like you have to have this center where you have a signal and then a surrounding area where there's not a signal. And that's how your eyes can register. Yes, there that signal is true. But a way that you get like a, a better resolution of your surroundings is that those surround areas where you kind of don't want a signal or you're registering a modulating signal for the center area, those overlap between different photoreceptors that lead to different ganglia, different cells that will then lead to your nerves. So you get a lot of resolution by having those overlapping areas. (laughs) Okay. So still stuck on cave spiders. Oh no. (laughs) Let's let's talk about other animals. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Cave spiders. Give me something cute to Google. So in talking about other animals, so, so we talk about how we can see, you know, the colors that we can, because those are the cones that we have. So we right. can see. Yeah. And like, it's, it's weird. Colors. I know this is stupid, but I always assume that we had that, like, I know we're visual creatures. I always mm. assume that like other animals have better senses than us, but I don't think it's ever crossed my mind that other animals might be able to see more colors than us. I guess that's a very like human centric view. <laughs> There obviously can't be any more colors or I could see them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there definitely are more colors, unfortunately. And by colors, we really just mean like wavelengths in the electromagnetic spectrum that fall between infrared and ultraviolet for us, because that's the way, that's the range of wavelengths that our eyes can pick up. But other creatures, they can see into, say, the ultraviolet spectrum. And so to them, those are colors too. And although your actual eyes can only say like yes or no, the strength of an activation, the strength of a light at a given wavelength, you know, they can say. Yeah, like, no, well, I mean, you, you didn't say exactly that. But yeah, we talked about that, about like, you know, the way the light's hitting it and like moving around it. Yeah. So it doesn't at that point assign it 
a color, you know, if you, if you have like an activation in red or you have something that's shifted slightly in its wavelength and then is that orange or is it like still red, but it's less bright. So it's pink or like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of other colors, you know, so it's variations like white, of red. Right. Yeah. So it's like all of that interpretation happens in your brain and your visual cortex. That's not in your eyes. All of that processing happens later. Okay. Although, later, later. Like within like a half a millisecond. Yes. <laughs> elsewhere. I'll say that. Elsewhere. Maybe it happens elsewhere. Separated in, in space more than time, I guess. But yeah. the, and it is strange though, to think of like your brain and your eyes working together though, because the professor that I had that taught this section, she said that the reason that this section on eyeballs was taught in a class that was on the nervous system is because technically your retinas are kind of just a little portion of your brain that's out on stalks so that it can reach the light because it develops from neural tissue. It is full of nerves, very similar to neural tissue. So your, your eyes are a little kind of like little bits of brain that just stick out the front of your face. That's super creepy. Thanks for that. (laughs) appreciate it. I actually got to say that also last week when I, where I was given my journal club, because my journal club was about making cerebral organoids, which is basically growing little blobs of cells in a dish that will mimic different parts of your brain. And it's like, we already do that. They live here. Well, some of, some of those, when you grow them, they will actually also develop retinal tissue as well as b- dorsal forebrain tissue. Now I'm imagining like itty bitty brains with little eyeball blobs. I <laughs> just feel like we want to see. It's, it sounds adorable. Yeah, that's actually really cute. But now I'm flashing back on our creepy snail eye stalk episode. And now I'm getting very static. Yeah, that's the worst. Okay. All right. So cool. So we have little brain stalks sticking out of our face. Yeah. They come in different colors. Mine are brown. No, just your retinas. But yeah, I mean, your irises are another thing. And brown is, I think we talked about uh, in our cat episode, the brown eyes are slightly more protective for your retina. Uh, yes. They do filter out the melanin in your iris will filter out some of the UV light and keep you from getting retinal cancer. So go brown eyes. Yeah. <laughs> more common too. All right. So yep. continue. We're talking about animals and what they, and apparently they can see colors that we don't know, but it's not colors. It's light between ultraviolet and ultra red. Infrared. Infrared. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's what we define as colors. Um, And then for other animals, if they can visually process other wavelengths, then those are colors to them. Okay. Um, And so since you asked about dogs, first off, dogs have two cones instead of our three. Mm -hmm. And so they can see, they can see colors, but they just don't see them with as much detail. And there's some colors that they can't distinguish between. Now, when you look it up online, there seems to be some discrepancy. Like everyone agrees the dogs have blue cones and then they either have red, yellow, or green. Oh, okay. They have but, something. but in any case, it, it doesn't really matter because if they only have one at that end of the spectrum, then they're not going to be able to really distinguish between red, yellow, and green because it's just a matter of light at this end of the spectrum versus light at this end of the spectrum. So they can see, like they will be able to tell the difference between something that's blue and something that's yellow, but maybe red is beyond a color that they can interpret. And it's like us not being able to see infrared. It's a, you know, us not being able to see heat. They can't Mm -hmm. see red because their wavelength detection falls short of that. So, okay. Um, but dogs definitely can see color. They just maybe can't see the ends of the spectrum that we can. 
Right. They can't differentiate between red, yellow, green. Right. Right. They wouldn't be able to differentiate between blue and purple. But if I put like a red ball and a blue ball. They can tell the difference. Yeah. One was different. What about um, the the blue? I've always heard the dogs with like the ice eyes, like, you know, Tali's got Mm -hmm. that one ice eye. Does that affect anything? I know that dogs go blind a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, I can't see a reason why other than the lack of melanin protecting Mm -hmm. their retina. Okay. But unless it's, it's like that is due to an underlying mutation that is common to something else going wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I didn't see anything about eye color being able to influence your your vision. Okay. And then I think with cats, it's pretty similar. Cats, I think just have a lot more rods, which is why they can see better at night. But they have the same color problems. Yeah. I think they can also only, I think they also only have two kinds of cones. So is that the same? So is that the, would you hypothesize that that's the deal with deer? Yeah. I, cause I think, I think that's common for a lot of mammals is that yeah. they just, like they can't see orange. Like, so if they have the only like green cones and oranges past the longest wavelength they can detect, which would be green, then mm-hmm. it would make sense if they couldn't see red or orange. But I mean, I, I, I would, I would hypothesize that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Because just looking at the list that I found, it seems like a lot of mammals only have the two, which is another reason that I thought maybe like the red and green that we have separately, like maybe a gene duplication event somewhere back in human history. Because if human ancestors only used to have the two mm-hmm. and then we managed to get that third one based right. on okay. based on one of the existing ones. Yeah. Okay. Cool stuff. I did see online that there's only one animal that cannot see any color at all. That is completely, totally colorblind. And it's a fish called a skate. So they're like, we can't see color. We do everything in black and white. It doesn't have any cones there is what I read. No cones. They just have rods, rods yep. everywhere. They're it's like, all black and white only. Yep. All black and white. Hard, old school, angsty photography all the way, man. <laughs> what animals can see more than us? So in starting with things that can see different than us, you see colors that we can't see, but may not be able to see all the colors we can. The thing about butterflies. So butterflies and other insects can actually see UV light. So they can see wavelengths. Ultraviolet. Just UV, just ultraviolet. Okay. They, so they see those shorter wavelengths that are higher energy. And a lot of flowers actually have coloration in that wavelength that butterflies and other insects can see. I think bees can also see UV. But like, so to, to bees and butterflies, flowers look completely different. And a lot of the flowers will have like a strip on their petals that you know, butterflies know to land on because that's the, where the center of the petal is, but we can't see that because we just, we literally don't have the capability to see that. Mind blown. Okay. Butterflies have better eyes than me. That's frustrating. I've also heard that chickens have the ability to see slightly in the UV spectrum as well. And that's why if you like scatter a bunch of grain and corn seeds on a gravel path, the chickens can still pick out the grain and the corn and not eat a lot of gravel. Although they probably do sometimes because honestly, they're not that bright, but um, <laughs> like, this, what, this looks like a very strange corn. Hum. That's what Tastes gizzards are for, right? But to them, the seeds look different than the gravel. To us, they look the same, but they yeah. can see it. They, they have something in the UV light the spectrum that they can see. Looking at the other end of the spectrum, 
is infrared. So the really long wavelengths, the low energy waves past the red side of the rainbow. That is what we interpret as heat. So heat it actually also emits wavelengths in the infrared spectrum. We can't see those, but other animals such as snakes have specialized organs that can sense infrared. So I know that about snakes. Yes. Like especially a lot of reptiles. Yeah. And they need it. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if it is easier for them because they're cold blooded and they're not producing their own body heat to interfere with that, but they have specialized organs. Uh, what are they called? Pit organs? What are they called? Pit organs sounds right to me, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like pit vipers. Pit sounds properly intimidating. Anyway, I think it's called pit organs, but anyway, they have these separate organs next, like not on their nose, but like next to their nose on their face, like rattlesnakes and boas and stuff like that. They can sense body heat because they have extra organs. So it's not something that's not actually that their eyes are seeing an infrared. They have totally separate organs in order to be able to do that. Well, but the most famous animal for being able to see the most colors of anything ever is the mantis shrimp. And you can Google mantis shrimp because they, they're weird, but they're kind of cute in their own way. Mantis um, shrimp. It looks like a, oh, it's colorful. It looks like a very odd crawfish. Yes, he does look like a very odd crawfish. Man, I mean, he's got colors. It makes it, so he's like the, the ambassador to the world of color. Uh, yes, like yes. He, he is colorful and he can see all of the colors. So, yes. I mean, he, he's just, he's actually pretty adorable. Yeah. I watched a video where he was kind of moving around and like cleaning his eyeballs with his furry little legs. And I was just like, mm, I don't know. Kind of weird me out, but. I'm a weirdo. Like if it's colorful, I'm, I'm pretty here for it. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty oh, here yeah. for it. So, so the thing about mantis shrimp is they can see UV light. They can see infrared light. They can see polarized light that's their own version of different. They can see all of the colors. Now, to be fair, it's not as impressive as a lot of people think. So the thing is, they have 16 different types of cones, which means that they can see like 10 everything. times. Yeah, they can see everything. everything. They can see 10 times the amount of colors that humans can and we can see what we think is a whole spectrum you know and i'm having i'm having such a hard time wrapping my mind around it i'm like i can see everything but apparently i can't apparently yeah. flowers have landing strips that i didn't know anything about so yeah yeah but it's not as impressive as you may think because there is a lot of overlap in those different cones and so it doesn't actually get you as many new unique colors as you'd think That's 16 cones would get you that's a bummer. But it is still way more colors than we can hope to see or imagine, frankly. I want but, to see cool new colors. And also a lot of our color, like we only have the three cones, but we can see an entire rainbow of colors because of how our brains can process that input from those three colors. And so yes, that's true. The, the mantis shrimp, its visual cortex is maybe not up to that same level. Itty bitty so tiny like, brain. Yeah, because he's a little bitty scramp. Any bitty um, tiny brain. He's super colorful. Yes, he's very colorful. <laughs> and who knows? Your color. If he's colorful to us, God knows what he looks like to himself. But <laughs> he's uh, probably like, I am fabulous. Very fabulous. But 
I guess just with the combination of, yeah, there's some overlap between those cones. And then also there's, which honestly, I should probably make it more specific, but then their processing isn't as good. Their visual processing is good. So, but mantis shrimp are cool for other reasons. If you ever wanted to look them up, if you look at the way they hunt, I think they hunt similar to pistol shrimp, which is. Pistol shrimp are intense. Yeah. Oh my God. Like pistol. Yeah. Pistol shrimp, man. Like fastest creature on the planet. Yeah. I don't know if they like do that same, like creating a collapsing bubble that sends out a shockwave, but they're like really fast. They're like, they, they definitely are really fast with their appendages. If you watch them go like, and like, and they also, also when, with their vision, they can like, they move both of their, since they have their eyes on stalks, they can move independently. And so, oh, see, that, okay, like, now that freaks me out. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I know it's weird. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of that situation. But yeah, so they're they're widely touted as the animal that can see the most colors, just because of their 16 cones. Even though hey. they may not be aware of all of those colors because of just their brain power. 16 cones. Yep, that's a good time. That's a good time. <laughs> and now I'm looking at the cute little mantis shrimp. Hi, mantis shrimp. <gasps> Hi. Oh my god, they're so cute. Look at them. There's no yeah. colorful. <laughs> I want one. So I said, they're real cute. But then, like I said, I saw a video of one of them cleaning his eye stalk. And I was just like, I don't know. That's just, it's just weird. Yeah. It's like, no, that would, that would freak me out. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like anything that's like eyes move independently. I'm not a fan of that. Like, that's not my thing. Yeah. I even like you. chameleons, which are cute. Like when no, they I don't like eye, that. It's weird, you know. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I do not like that. That is not my thing. No, not a fan. Yeah. Not a fan at all. Uh, uh-uh, gross. Ugh. Apparently, I've got more freakouts about eyeballs than I thought. Yeah, eyeballs are. I don't know. And apparently, they're just little pieces of brain that have stuck out the front of your face. Yep, basically. It's so they're very creepy. complex, and I that's like why- it. Also, so you can have, you can like lose vision or specifically color vision from say injuries, from disease, things like that. But you can also lose color vision when you have a neurodegenerative disease like Parkinson's because it's basically neural tissue sticking out the front of your face. So yeah. I did not think about that. That is interesting. Now I'm just going to be like brain blobs. Basically, I touch my eyes and be like little brain blobs. It actually kind of makes me want to take a little bit better care of my eyes, man. And I have horrific vision. Like my <laughs> vision's awful. Like you know, my contact lenses are so thick. I could probably like use them to like block bullets or so thick. <laughs> but no, okay, that is fascinating. I my little eyeballs. It's probably why like we react so strongly to anybody getting their eyes gouged out in movies. We're oh like, yeah, green. You <gasps> need those. You need I mean, those are important. You can get by without them, but they are important. Like I said, if they are part of your brain, then again, that's uh, your brain wants to protect itself. Yep. Brain's like, protect the eyeballs, protect the eyeballs. <laughs> All right. What else you got is about uh, pieces of brain. Those are the, the bits I wanted to hit about how your, your eyes work. I mean, obviously, if you wanted to go into detail on how your eyes work, we'd be here all day because they're... <laughs> ridiculously complicated but i mean as far as just your basics of your rods and your cones and how that leads to color vision and well we can see i feel like that's a good overview good for the yeah, day no that's awesome especially with like you know and then we've got a list of animals yeah I could, and honestly i'm never gonna be able to wrap more I, I say never 
it's going to take me a while to wrap my eye around the fact that there's colors I can't see. I don't like that. That's going to bother me all day. I'm going to start looking at flowers and being like, <laughs> where's your landing strip? The butterflies can see it. Why can I not see it? It's going to bother me. I am going to tell Tali, haha, you can't see color when I go back to the room, though. Oh, like, I can see more colors than you, dog. She can see some colors, though. So. And she's like, whatever. I can smell better than you can. It's like, that's, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, it's important to remember that, like, animals can definitely see colors. They just may not have, like, all of the colors that we can see, but they can still see colors. Which is fascinating, because like I said, I always thought dogs could just see in black and white. So I learned something new today. <laughs> Yay. It's always the goal. Absolutely. Always the goal. And it's so awesome to be actually back doing this again. We'll finally be back on a regular schedule. I feel like, you know, I feel like it's not just us. I feel like a lot of podcasters take like the holidays off just to be like, yeah, yeah a lot of the podcasts I listen to will take some downtime. Over oh, holidays, yeah. So. Especially around the holidays. So, but, you know, to stay in tradition, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and do our mental health minute for the week. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Uh, mine's pretty short. Just go uh, for it. Remember to communicate with the people that are your support system. Just kind of be honest with yourself about how you're feeling and with others who are trying to help you. I have been having some hard times lately and ended up talking to not just Katie and Danny and my counselor and uh, psychiatrist about it and uh, have some new anxiety meds that I just started. So, So we'll see how that goes, but the reason that we do these mental health minutes is to kind of help get rid of some of the stigma around mental health, because you can't, you can't help yourself and you won't let others help you if there's a stigma that keeps people from talking about their mental health. So that's why we do it. And uh, just remember that mental health is just a, it's just a fact to how your brain works. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. So just be open about it and be open to change and just kind of make yourself the best person you can be. Absolutely. Hello. And I'm going to kind of play off that a little bit and say that my mental health minute this week, um, Eric and I intentionally like don't bring up anything political, but I would like to bring up that four days ago, a new person transitioned into the White House and some people are having very strong feelings on both ends of the spectrum. And one of the things that I keep encouraging clients and people in my life to do in general is to, if you feel yourself becoming very emotionally triggered by the events that are happening. Unplug from social media. Social media is great for so many things. It's how you keep in contact with friends. It's how you stalk celebrities, <coughs> Clay Thompson. Um, but it can also be a huge trigger, especially for those of us who um, have very strong political opinions. So it's always a good thing to sit there, check yourself if you find yourself becoming emotionally triggered whether that's being angry, whether that's being sad, uh, before you hit the block button, before you uh, get into like a verbal altercation with someone online, which never ends well. Let's be honest. Has anyone ever won an online fight? Unplug, you know, maybe delete the app from your phone for a week, maybe just log out for a day, uh, go for a walk, step outside and remember that social media, while it has good sides, also has bad sides and to do some self-care and protect yourself. I think that's, yeah, excellent, excellent advice. Or- if you have to be on social media, you can hang out with us at Southern hey. Science Chicks. <laughs> We're getting so good at transitions. <laughs> so we are Southern Science Chicks on Facebook and Instagram. And our Gmail is southernsciencechicks at gmail.com. Right? Yep, and we will not trigger you with anything. We'll just have science videos. 
say that. Eric is definitely probably going to post pictures of the cave spiders, but I'll make her put a trigger warning on it. I'll just so put pictures I, of, of me and my family exploring the cave. There we go. Let's do that. I'll post pictures of the cave spiders so everyone else can suffer with us. Okay. <laughs> but we will see y'all next week. And any suggestions, please shoot us an email, comment on uh, some of our pictures, hit us up online, and uh, we will take those and eventually run with it. We've got a little bit of a list right now, so we'd love to have some more. See y'all hey. next week. Bye. Bye. Do you ever have the friends we 